Okay, let's... Um, this morning we're going to see some healing take place amongst us and around us. That's what we're believing for. It's what we're going to see. Um, so I'm just going to share a little bit first, then we're going to take communion, then we're going to sing, and then we're just going to let Jesus do what Jesus loves to do, which is bring life and healing to people. Um, so let's just pray, shall we, before we go any, any further. Father, we want to thank you that your Father's heart towards us is always for good and wonderful things, Lord. We want to thank you that your heart is that we would be at peace, that we would be believing for good things. So, Father, right now, we just want to thank you, Father, for an environment and atmosphere of faith and peace, Lord. Father, we recognize we, we come in with all sorts of worries and anxieties, Father, but right now we just want to ask, Holy Spirit, that you would meet us, Lord, in the place of faith and peace, in the good thoughts that are continually flowing from your throne, Lord, that we might tune in to the voice of heaven that says, these are my kids in whom I am well pleased. And Father, we pray, Lord, as we go through this morning, Lord, that our hearts might become aligned to your hearts, Lord. And we thank you for that which you are going to do in among us and with those that we know. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so um, I want to read some verses to you. You'll, you'll know them because we've been there a lot. John in chapter 9. As, he went, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came home, seeing... Okay, now, where are we? Oh, this isn't working. Can you put the first picture up, sorry? So if I um, asked you what you might see at the moment, you're not seeing a right lot. <laughs> well, that might be prophetic. <laughs> okay. Now, if I asked you what you would see, you would probably say, well, I'll see two blind men. Which is what it says in the scripture. It says, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. But here's my question, did he? Did he see a man blind from birth? Or is that just scripture telling us about the state of the blind man? Because you see, if Jesus were to look at those two pictures I just showed you, I don't think he'd see two blind men. Because Jesus doesn't look how you look. We know what the writer means. It means when the man came out of his mother's womb, he didn't have the ability to see in the natural. His eyes didn't function as they were designed to function. But the physical reality in front of Jesus' physical eyes was there was a man blind from birth. But of course, for Jesus, there's a greater reality. 
there's a reality of something different, a reality of the kingdom of life before, as Paul's been speaking about lately. Because before you were in the womb of a woman, you were in the womb of God. Before your, your genesis, your beginning was not when two people decided to have a child because according to scripture, you were a seed thought of the Godhead who saw you in love, set you apart, called you and chose you as precious and beautiful and gave you all that you needed to succeed on the earth so you might show his amazing love and grace. And so when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't, although he sees the physical you, he also sees something much greater. So when Jesus walked along that day, and it says he saw a blind man, or he noticed a blind man, when Jesus looked at him, he didn't actually see the blindness of the man. He saw a man from before, the man who he was in the Father's womb, and the man who he would be when the kingdom would come. And of course, it's true of you, because according to Ephesians 1, just as he chose you in him before the foundation of the world, that you should be holy, set apart and made whole without blame, not feeling or knowing blame or shame. You were never designed to know blame or shame. Before him in love, having been predestined to adoption. Because before anything else, you were first in the womb of the Father, who being God is also your mother and father, and actually whoever he needs to be, because he is God. The truth is you were engineered from the start to fit the mood of sonship and lightness according to the exact blueprint of his design. We see the original and intended shape of our lives preserved in his son, the firstborn from the same womb that reveals our genesis. He confirms that we are the invention of God, Romans 8, 29. And that which God invents is always and forever good. It's always and forever good. So what does Jesus say? You see, when we talk about seeing reality, I talked about this a lot last week, then there's a, there's a physical reality that's important we face up to. Where are we at? Where are our relationships, our finances, our health? There is all that to see clearly, and it's important we do, but there's a greater reality as well. Of course, you've got to face up to the reality that you might be, be ill in some way, shape, or form. Well, that's the first reality, but the greater reality is the reality of what the kingdom does and what Jesus wants to do, which is bigger than that. Of course, until you see the present reality, you can't just go, well, I'm perfectly all right if you're walking along with a broken leg. Well, because Jesus goes, okay, well, you carry on with your broken leg if you think that's all right. But I don't think that's all right. I don't think blindness is okay. I don't think illness is okay. I don't think Jesus saw a blind man. He saw a greater reality because he saw in the spirit. He saw the man before the world got hold of him as he was in the Father's womb, when everything was as it should be. I don't think Jesus ever saw anybody blind, lame, sick, or hungry. He just didn't see it. He was aware of the physical reality, but when he looked, he didn't see a blind man or a lame man. Or a, he didn't see 5,000 hungry people. He saw 5,000 people waiting to be fed. He saw the opportunity, as he says in verse 3, for God, the works of God to be revealed. That's why it's so vital we start to grasp this truth of our genesis, of who we really are, of how God sees us. Because there's a greater reality than your present situation. But if you don't see the greater reality, it's very difficult to experience it. If you're not able to see the greater reality of the incredible Jesus meeting you where you're at and taking to your whole new place, then you can't receive it. You see, there's a reality. There's a reality before you hit the earth, and there's a reality after you leave the earth, and that reality is called the kingdom in all its fullness. 
Right now, you see in the kingdom in part. Before you hit the earth, you're in the fullness of the kingdom in the Father's heart. When you leave the earth, you'll see the fullness of the kingdom in the Father's heart. And now you're seeing part of it. But your job, because Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come on the earth. So we're meant to see more and more of that kingdom, which is both before and after. So, so when we talk about praying and seeing new things, we're just talking about seeing kingdom reality come on the earth. That everywhere Jesus went, he bought kingdom reality. And kingdom reality was people getting up, walking, people being well, people healed and restored. That's one of the things it means for the kingdom to come. It means people being restored in every way. Because what you see is really important, and we call that faith. And your imagination's a really powerful thing. You realize your imagination was a tool given to you by God to see the future come into the present. So your imagination is key in the battle for the kingdom because what you see is what you get. So your imagination is absolutely key. But sadly, our imaginations have been hijacked by all sorts of negative thought patterns and negative experiences, so we find it very easy to go to worst-case scenario, especially if we use Google, within like two minutes. But your imagination was designed to create a whole new future. That's the point of your imagination, to bring heaven to earth, to go, what can I say? Your imagination's a vital tool in your prayer life and in bringing the kingdom to the earth. But you've got to know that you're seeing as Jesus is seeing when you're using that imagination. Because Jesus is always seeing good things. He's always seeing goodness, kindness, beautiful futures. He's all he ever sees. So, so in your imagination, you're seeing anything other than good, you know that's not what God's seeing. And your challenge is to line that up with something else because God's always seeing good. He's always seeing beautiful. He's always seeing breakthrough. He's always seeing relationships. He's always seeing fantastic things coming. Of course, we don't always manage to do that. And one of the reasons we find it tough is because we ask the wrong questions just like the disciples. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? This is a fascinating question to me. Because it's got nothing to do with how to help the man and everything to do with pointing the finger at why he's in the place he's in. They are seemingly not concerned with learning how to bring life and healing, but just want to work out who got it wrong and who they should blame for this issue. Because it might seem a strange question to us, perhaps, but, but at the time there was a very strong sense in Jesus' day of cause and effect. Uh, karma, I suppose we'd call it today. If something went wrong, you must have done something wrong and vice versa. But Jesus points out, that grace don't work like that. You're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. Now, of course, in some instances, there is cause and effect. If I drink seven bottles of wine a night, my liver will pack up. If I smoke 50 cigarettes every day, my lungs won't work very well. So, of course, there is some sense of cause and effect. So, let's, that's just common sense. But what Jesus is getting at here, I think is that he's not too bothered about why we're in the place we are, about why we are struggling. He's more bothered about restoring them to their original good design than he is about having a conversation about how we got to where we are. Now, of course, it's important to learn from our mistakes, but Jesus' biggest heart is, I want you to come to a new place. And most of the time, we spend a lot more time beating ourselves up for where we are or telling everybody else why we think they are where they are rather than getting them to a new place. But Jesus comes along and goes, no, I want to take you to a new place. That's my heart for you. I'm not really bothered about having a conversation about why this happened or why that didn't happen. The fact is you are not as you were originally dying to be, and that's how I want to put it in you. That's his heart more and more. 
If you're unwell, he wants to restore you. It's as simple as that. Do you deserve it? No, that's why it's called grace. That's why it's called grace. You do deserve it because he gave everything so that you can have it. Grace gives you what you don't deserve. It can't be earned, just received. And part of his grace towards us is his desire and ability to touch our physical bodies. And this grace for healing is available every day, including today. But we've got to be able to receive his grace. There's a receiving of grace. Stop spending so long analyzing the whys and why nots and start thanking him for his healing grace. As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Well, I am in the world. I am the light of the world. So Jesus is much less concerned with judging. In fact, he's not really bothered about judging why you are where you are. He's much more concerned about bringing the kingdom on the face of the earth. He's concerned about the Father's will. And of course, part of his, he's been bothered about that. He's helping you not make the same mistakes again and again. But ultimately, it's about, no, I want you to be in a good place. He's wanting to bring every good thing into the earth and into your life. We, we call it the general's will. You remember this? We've talked about it many times. But the heart of the Father is always to do good and beautiful things. Why don't it work? Can you? Don't work on my pictures. You've done me a picture. That's what God wants to do all the time. That's his heart. All those things are the heart of God and more. I mean, it's just a small list, really, of everything that he wants to bring. But that's the Father's heart. But, of course, you've got to know that's what God wants to bring to receive it. Because if in your mind you go, no, 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 God wants to do this, and this is because I'm, I'm, I'm being punished, and this is because of that, well, you it's in, almost impossible to receive it. God wants to do this stuff all the time. Your old health was not sent from God because you made a mistake or because he wants to punish you in any way. That's utter nonsense. There is nothing in the heart of the Father that wants to cause you hurt or pain. God does not cause sickness or illness. God does not cause any of that stuff. His heart is that you get restored. You see him all through the scriptures. That's all he does. He reverses the effects. Of course, there are some things we don't understand. We don't understand why sometimes we pray and pray and nothing happens. We don't understand why sometimes people get healed instantly and other times it takes a while. But that's not really the issue. That's for God to worry about. The, 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 the key issue is this. Does the Father want you well? Yes. End of conversation. Okay, well, we pray and believe then. What happens then is up to the Father. But we pray and believe. The issue is that the will of Father is for good things to flow towards you, and the heart of Father is for every good thing to be yours. That's his heart. Having said this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came home saying, I don't know about you, but it probably wasn't very nice to have some bloke spit washed in your eyes. But you don't get to choose how Father heals and works. You don't get to choose how he comes. You can't get picky about how it happens. It's important we're in a place of peace. That's why peace is so important. Because otherwise you start trying. And you start trying really hard. But, but it's a grace that's to be received. It's to be received in faith and peace. And of course, the washing of the eyes, it's vital we wash off that which is stopping us seeing. 
He's willing to cleanse his eyes so that he could see. He's also willing to follow some instruction. But that washing of eyes probably represents repentance. Saying sorry if when we've moved in fear rather than faith and acted out of anxiety rather than peace. Saying sorry for those times when our imagination got used uh, to take us down these horrific paths and see these things and see everything falling apart when it's meant to be used to see a beautiful future. You see, you can only really receive the fullness of everything he's got for you when you're in a place of faith and peace. And those terms are all relative, of course. What it means for me to be in faith and at peace may well mean something different to you because we're on our own journeys. You can't judge your place of faith and peace to my place of faith and peace. You, you've got to go, okay, but am I in faith and peace for me? Am I believing? Am I, am I in as much peace as I can find? Some of us have struggled hugely with anxiety. So I, you're not, Jesus don't wait for you to go, well, when you've dealt with all your anxiety, then I'm going to come along. No, but are you, are you believing? Are you trusting him? Are you putting yourself in a place of peace? For you. Of course, he understands, he meets us where we're at. But it's also important we repent for the times we've used our God-given imaginations to create futures that Jesus would not create. It's important we say sorry for that. So listen, just these four little keys, because I, I want to leave quite a lot of time and just sing and worship and pray and do whatever else we do, but... Key number one, seeing reality as Jesus sees it. So this is, so this is what I mean by that, okay? So we, we, we spent our prayer meeting on Saturday morning praying for this time. And as I'm praying, I'm, I know that Josh is struggling with his wrist and I know that he's trying to work. And, but I, I saw him painting with his right hand. We know pain in his hand at all because it's his right hand that's difficult, isn't it, Josh? I saw him painting, literally in my imagination, I pictured him painting beautifully with a smile on his face with no pain, nothing. I just pictured that. I didn't picture him with his left hand desperate and going, please, Lord, help him draw a straight line with his left hand. That's not, that's the physical reality. But the kingdom reality is, no, 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 he's going, this is what's going to happen for him. That's what I mean by seeing kingdom reality. For everybody else, you know, it's, you, 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 you believe in what's going to actually take place. That's what it means. But you've got to see it. So in your own imagination, you've got to see yourself in a different place than where you are. And dream on it, think on it, just start to actually see it. It's not some weird new age visualization thing, it's called faith. They just stole it from Jesus to actually see it in that way, shape or form. And of course, we've got to make sure we're asking the right questions. He meets you in grace and none of your pain is sent from him. Stop beating yourself up because of where you are. Stop blaming yourself because somebody in your family is in a certain way. Or you haven't done this or you haven't done that. Listen, he meets you in grace. He meets you in peace. He meets you in those places. And decide that he's a good dad who wants to give you good things. That's his heart. Just put that general's will up again. Sigh if he can. And he gives us good things. And then we've got to be willing to repent as he directs. So this is what I want us to do. I want us to take communion now. And I want us to just take some moments to uh, to repent, really, in terms of our anxiety or the, the ways our imaginations run wild and just say sorry to Jesus for it, because that's the first place. Because until repentance comes, it's very difficult for Jesus to move. So I can see people come and 
uh, give these out. Musicians, if you want to come up, that would be neat. Uh, 